Welcome back to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where three guys read a book and then talk about it. And today we're going to be talking about chapters three and four of book five. Wait, book six of Return of the King. Uh, yep. Mount Doom and... Uh, the other chapter we don't care about. The Field of Cormolan. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my name's Connor. I'm joined, as ever, by my two co-hosts, Connor and Josh. We're Yo. your chumps, here to talk some chapters. Boys, how are we doing tonight? I'm tired, but that's my own fault for staying up late last night. Otherwise, I am ready to talk about these chapters because we hit some some juicy story bits. Why uh, Why were you up late so uh, so late last night, Josh? Um, poor decisions. Hmm, that, that can mean a lot of things. <laughs> it gets, no, I I was just watching TV and I kept. Uh, I finished a show and then I went to go find a review of that show and then it just snowballed into watching some more YouTube videos and then it was like 11 o'clock and then I uh, nature called, had to use the bathroom and then I didn't really get to bed until like midnight. I was going to ask because, you know, I was going to ask if it had anything to do with those juicy bits you mentioned with within the context of the book. I don't know. I wasn't sure if there are any other. I read on, I read on. like I read like two days ago, two, three days ago. Okay, just making. Just, unlike just unlike you, I don't those, leave my reading till the last minute. Yeah, I was just checking in to see if those juicy bits kept you up later. You know, whatever. No. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I just finished reading. I finished, yeah, that, reading and that's why we're starting an hour later than we ago. intend to. Yeah, which is why. Yeah, so you just why we're starting an hour later than we normally bits. do. I did. Great. Um, and let me tell you, those bits were pretty. Juicy. Yeah, quite juicy indeed. I know, I know. So, anyways, I'm so, doing all right. Uh, yeah, you're you're okay, Connor. I'm doing all right. You're doing all right. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. I was gonna say so those, uh, those those juicy bits didn't do anything for you. Well, they they made me want to say, yowza. <laughs> Look who it is. Yep. <laughs> You pause at just the right moment, just long enough for my brain to autocomplete the Arthur theme song. Of, I just want to, I think, the. <laughs> it's like, I just want to say, and my brain went, what a wonderful kind of day. Yeah, mm. it is. It is pretty close to that. I don't know if it's exactly that. Yeah, but. it wasn't exact, but it was enough to get my brain going. Yeah. So. Yeah, that you know they finished show. Arthur? Was that the show you finished, Josh? Did you just finish watching Arthur? No, I just finished Psalm 100. Oh. So you didn't? You haven't seen the last episode of Arthur? I thought uh, that was. Off, I, th- I thought that's been off the air for like you're missing out, two, buddy. Twenty years. <laughs> you, ha- Connor, isn't he missing out? Let me tell you, there are some pretty juicy bits yeah, in, that, he, in that episode. My, my mouth is watering uh, just thinking about him. Pretty? you say so i don't know something to think about probably on your backlog probably on your to watch list my watch list has exploded in the last just like two weeks because i i I had about 40 items on my watch list now it's up to like 60 
So, wow. Do you yeah. keep an actual uh, list? Like, do you it's gone to a point where I, I I do actually have a watch list on my phone. It's it's like my same like note or like my my like shop. It's an app that I use for like my shopping list and a few other like lists. So I was like, oh fuck, it. I'll just throw the list of things uh, I want to watch on there as well. Yeah, I, I was gonna say yeah, duh, Josh. It's just the notes app, and then I was like, oh right, you you famously do not have an iPhone. Nope, uh, it's the. To do is literally the to do app. I think it's Microsoft. You can't owned. say that out loud. That's gonna. You just outed our dear friend Joshua for being a green bubble texter. <laughs> you. I I never understood why people hate that so much. Everything everything wrong with the difference between the ecosystems is all Apple's fault because they refuse to use you know the rest of the global standard. Well, so, I mean, if they keep it up long enough, the global standard's going to have to change to them. Yeah. No, I, I think they're literally. I think they're literally like breaking down on that because the EU like basically told them to quit shitting around. Well, on a, on a few and, things, uh, I think, but in a lot I mean, of ways, I think Apple is the standard for when it comes to cell phones. I I still don't forgive them for putting the stupid fucking notch on phones. I I can't get a phone that I want because everything has a notch or an island or whatever the fuck they're calling it these days or a pinhole camera and I hate it. I don't want anything obstruct. I want a perfectly square screen. That's what I want. No, nothing interrupting the pixels. It just looks like a pile of dead pixels to me and I hate it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like every phone from the last five or six years has the stupid notch at the top instead of, you know, putting it in the bezel, putting cameras and microphones and stuff in the bezel where they always are supposed to be so anyway i'm getting on a tangent that's not related to lord of the rings (laughs) the notch i the thing is is that i think josh is probably right about whatever he's talking about but i I also don't know what he's talking about because when i look at my screen it's it's just uh it's just one i I can see it it's a little right at the top you got the stupid eyelid you see that black spot in the middle of the screen where it it wraps around the top i hate that Josh, that's just a that's just a, like a digital. That's the microphone. Look, see, there's nothing there. It's just a top. It's just the top of the screen. I, I mean, there's nothing interrupting the screen. There's no pinhole. Oh, there's no. Oh, you see, you mean like that, like this, just like kind of black band, like wrapping. Yeah. The... Yeah, I hate that. Oh, I mean, it's bare. I I don't know. I don't even consider it. I'm not sure what you feel like is lost. Um. I mean, I guess the screen would be marginally bigger if it weren't there. Yeah. Hmm. It it's needless complication. It. I don't want to get off on a tangent on this. I hate I hate that phones have gone in this direction. It's just a fad, as far as I can tell. But because Apple did it, everybody else fucking does it. And Samsung does pinhole cameras, which looks just looks like a patch of dead pixels. Well, on Josh, the Josh, not to worry. Soon enough, we won't even be using phones. We'll all be with our our VR headsets, and we'll 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 just communicate that way. Ooh, or again, or fat. Elon Musk's Neuralink. Yeah, we'll that one scares both me. Of them. I I don't like that. How long you think until that guy's dead? Uh, that depends on quite a few factors. I think he might already be dead, but whatever is like the 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 electrons that are being pumped into his brain with that thing are keeping him like uh, like technically alive, but like really on the inside he is dead. <laughs> he yeah. just got replaced by an AI, yeah, like chatbot that 
and you know how all AI chatbots just immediately go off into the worst possible uh, fuck my brain just stopped sorry that's not a good sign Josh we have a big conversation no. ahead of us and no yeah no I just lost the train of thought right there left the station That's I fine. was not on board well doesn't happen to know, AI bots let's uh, let's get to it I mean let's let's get to the real reason why we're here right Connor yes which is um the uh, nine-fingered Frodo in the Ring of Doom. Well said. Thanks. Well said. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about, like I said, uh, the, the final book of the final book of The Lord of the Rings, chapters three and four. Um, I guess I just want to say kind of right out the gate, I wasn't expecting what happened in this chapter to happen. No. This soon? Like, yeah. it's, it's earlier than you expect because we're used to yes. movie pacing. Very much yeah. so. I yeah. mean, when I saw what was the title of this chapter, I knew what was coming. Because um, there's only only a handful of scenes that happened at Mount Doom. So... <laughs> Yeah, but even when I, re- I was like, oh, maybe it's just like how they get to Mount Doom or, you know, maybe the events of Mount Doom will be spread across more than one chapter. And Tolkien's just like, nope, this is it. The third chapter. It's happening. Of book six of book six of the third installment. Yeah. So, I mean, like it is we, we have been like very much basically at the end for for what feels like kind of a while now, but. But the uh, most pivotal moments of the Lord of the Rings occurs within this chapter. So let's get to talking about it. Uh, I'll I'll give a summary here, and then then we'll kind of uh, we'll get into it. That's how we do things here at Chapter Chumps. Here, ooh, <laughs> I'm never gonna find that. That's like Sorry, a fun I'm, thing I thought I might do to like transition between different parts of the podcast. Connor, like, can you do it again? Because y- your audio cut out for for most of that. It cut out, really. It did, yeah. Okay. On your, it didn't cut out on my end. And I can't believe uh, you want to do it. Here we go. Oh, I like that. That's a nice transition. Yeah. Yep. It kind of marks the that that uh, that point between like, hey, this is the end of the initial like kind of bullshit discussion, and now it's like we're gonna do the uh, more bullshit. The action, yeah, no, 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 no. The real. This is the the meat and potatoes, as they say. We're talking about the chapter. So, um, so this chapter kind of it starts off. Uh, Frodo and Sam. They are worn out, uh, which is an understatement. But this this is just after they they escaped the uh, march of the orcs, and they kind of wake up, you know, within the desert of Mordor, and they're kind of looking around like, "Wow, uh, this fucking sucks. This place is truly horrible." Um, but, 
you know, the, their goal is pretty clear. They can see Mount Doom. And so they, uh, they slowly make their way there, and, and Frodo is, like, completely spent. He's Connor, I'm sorry to interrupt. I know you're doing your thing, it, and, and, we're talking about, up, and we're up. talking about the chapter, and, you know, we yeah, moved away from the are. bullshit talk, but I just have to, Uh-oh. there's something I just have to say, though. And it uh, is, okay, I'm not is, looking forward to this. It is relevant, though. Neither am I. Or really, I, I've got a question for you, is... There's one person, Connor, there's one person, one character who you might expect to see on Mount Doom, and I was disappointed we did not see him. Do you have any idea who I could be referring to? Dr. Doom. Oh, no, no, he's good, but but no, no. Somebody that's kind of probably more obvious to us, in a way. Um, more obvious to us on Mount Doom... He could be singing a song. See him there. Singing a song? No. Who? Who are you talking about? Josh, I have no idea Josh where he's going with this. Tom Bombadil? I wish. I really do wish. Yeah. Uh, no. He hasn't even mentioned in this book, as far as I can tell. Not Tom Bombadil. Not, not Dr. Doom. Our friend Gurr. From Invader Zim. Oh my God! I was not thinking about Invader I thought, Zim at all. I thought all. one of you would get that. That's that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> Why did you have to? You couldn't. Have We're going to do like the series later, like after I do the summary. You couldn't have just like yeah. with that. I just really wanted just to have a scene where um, Gur and um, who, who's that other fucker? The other little fucker in this book, <laughs> Gollum. Gur and Gollum faced off. Like yeah. they gotta do a fight. Oh my god. We're going through like the the archetype of high fantasy and I was just there was no way I was gonna connect that to Invader Sim at this point in time. I don't know why you thought that was a possibility. Well, because of the Doom song, right? Yeah, it's the Doom song, Josh. Oh no, I absolutely I absolutely know what the connection is now, but I was not gonna make it on my own there. <laughs> And I'm, no. I'm also upset that you interrupted Connor's uh, 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 summary of the chapter. I am to derail so, with that. Instead I'm of so just, sorry. Instead I'm of just, so sorry, and it will not happen again. It will you not. Just, ha- it's it's not going to happen again. It, I'm. You so, know what it would have been so less time is if you just started sorry. singing the Doom song. I am so And that probably would have been a little funnier. So Connor doesn't actually know how it goes. Sorry. If you put a gun to his head, he could not sing the Doom song. Connor, sing the Doom song now. I mean, he's he's right. He's got me. He's Oh my god. You know, he he's got me right where he wants me. I have no fucking yeah. idea. Insane. Does Insane. one of you want yep. to sing it for me? To, to if, my memory? if I was like the uh, dark overlord of of uh, the planet, like Sauron, my my initial decree would be: you can't reference the Doom song if you don't know how to sing it. There would right. be a pit for people like you. There's probably, you know, more important things to deal with. That's the that's... first decree. That is top of the list. 
I don't know if if your priorities are no. The thing is, straight. is that I think I think I think that there's a connection there that's much more more broad. It, the the kind of person who would reference the Doom song without being able to sing it is the exact kind of person who would go on to create much of society's ills. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, trust me. I, I can't trust argue. Me, okay? I can't argue with you on that one. I know what I'm doing. All right, let's so. let's let, let's let's hear about the rest of this chapter and make it snappy. All right, uh, they so we got to Mount Doom. They go to the mountain, right? They go to the mountain. That's they go there. They're there now. Uh, it's difficult and and hard, and Tolkien writes a lot about it. But they get there, and then Sam has to start carrying him up the mountain. Um, and they, they see this road there, uh, kind of twisting around the mountain itself. And when they make it to the road, they don't meet Gurr. It's not Gurr who's there waiting for them. It's the other devilish G. Because their uh, names both start with G. It's Gollum. The top G, as he's called. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Uh, it's Gollum. Enemies. Enemies. Enemy. Sorry. That is, are you, were you that. queuing up the Doom song? What are you doing there, Josh? No, no. Some Something was not supposed to play through my speakers. Sorry. Is that the Doom hmm. song? No, that was not the Doom can song. Can you play it for me so I can learn it? No, I cannot. Come nope. on, please. I guess I just thought Josh would maybe be a little more locked in as, as we're talking about, you know... You're doing the preview and or the, he, the summary, and he interrupts. Uh, yeah, you, he interrupts it's, it's you. Jeez, like, I, I mean, I that, that was out of pocket, wasn't it? I mean, like, I, I, I feel like I acknowledged. Oh, I'm interrupting you. I'm so sorry, but I have to say this. And then he's just like <laughs> playing a fucking clip of a song all willy nilly while you're doing your chapter breakdown. I'm like, oh, I would never think of doing that. It should. Nothing was supposed to play through my speakers, okay? Everything should be going through my headphones. I apologize. I didn't think I would be interrupting. I'm worried for what else might come out of those speakers. I don't know. Who well, knows what, are off now. Who knows so. what juicy bits, you know, we, we might be privy to tonight. <laughs> All right. That's it's enough. Fucking, so there's Gollum. Gollum tries to get the ring. Frodo throws him off. And Sam has the opportunity to kill Gollum. Sam's like, oh, I'll, I'll stop him here, Frodo. You go on ahead. So Frodo goes on ahead. Sam has the opportunity to kill Gollum, but Sam chooses not to. Um, and so Gollum scurries off. Sam catches back up with Frodo. They go into, the, there's this uh, door, the Samoth Naur, Nor? Samoth Nor? Naur? Naur? Samoth Nor. I don't know. It's the door into Mount Doom. And Frodo's standing there, and Sam's like, all right, cool, you know, let's do it. We made it. And Frodo's like, nah, nah, not this guy, not going to do it. Frodo claims the ring for himself. And before mm -hmm. Sam can even really react, Gollum... Uh, strikes and fights Frodo even while he's invisible and bites he's his invisible. finger yep. off and uh, to, to, to get the ring for himself and Gollum is so ecstatic Overjoyed. to finally have the ring that um, 
he just makes a mistake and falls into Mount Doom, the cracks of Doom, with the ring. Yep. And Gollum and the One Ring are destroyed together. And as, you know, just after that happens, Frodo and Sam make their way out uh, of the Samoth Nor door. And they're pretty much like, wow, we're going to die. Nothing else to do as, like, the land of Mordor itself is um, going through this great upheaval now that the ring has been destroyed. And the volcano is erupting and spewing ash and lava. And, like, there's earthquakes. And, like, it's, it's a humongous event that has just occurred. And as far as they can tell, there's no escape. And Frodo and Sam find... Uh, you know, some some kind of peace and acceptance and comfort um, being together at the end and, and accepting their death together. And that's the end of the chapter. Were they not rescued at the end, or is that the next chapter? That's the next chapter. Spoiler alert! I mean, yeah, they don't die. But but at this point, at the they end think of all... they're gonna. Yep, here at the end of all things, Sam. Yep, my bad. <sighs> So there's a lot to talk about in this chapter. I mean, buckle let's in. Get to it. What if somebody like listens to these and, and is reading the chapters, like they, they read one chapter and listen to us talk about that one chapter, then they pause it and listen to the next one. You know, what's funny to me is well, that's just, insane. just when we were like getting ready to talk, it's like, okay, we're starting later than usual. And Connor's like, well, we're not going to make this a long one, right? We're going to make it snappy. Yeah. And there's only one person so far who's doing everything in their power to like hinder the actual discussion that needs to happen for this podcast and to like elongate things that don't need to be elongated by interrupting and making dumb little jokes. You ever heard of a joke, Connor? (laughs) (laughs) That's literally what he was complaining about. Well, no, because because my original uh, joke was was oh, we're gonna shorten <laughs> this thing up. We're gonna do a tight forty-five, which would never ever happen. I yeah, I know, that I know. That itself like, is a joke. It was not a serious request. Oh my god! And so yeah, of course I'm playing my role as as uh, you know a little little bit of a troublemaker. You know, I admit it. Oh my god, he admit it. Yeah. I have to marry my mother-in-law. Oh, man. Connor. um... (laughs) Connor. The fucking ring is destroyed. Yeah, I am. I like could not believe what I was reading as I was reading it because it it all just happened so fast. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like after their first little tussle with uh, Gollum. And then, you know, he's walking away and you're, and you're like, oh, well, he's he's up to something still. So he'll probably be back, you know, in a, in a chapter down the line or whatever. And then, no, like five seconds later, he's back. And uh, I, I mean, it, it was just really, yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy. I thought uh, Tolkien kind of wrote it really well from Sam's perspective where it's like everything did happen too fast for him to even, like make any moves you know he was just kind of bamboozled with it all like you know frodo turning or claiming the ring for his you know his own and then Gollum rushing in there and i mean it wasn't super clear you know really uh you know i felt like the, the, you know 
reading through it, I I had a lot of questions, like especially when um, Gollum fell. I was like, well, wait, is the ring on him? Did it like like where is the ring? And but then obviously it's confirmed that uh, that it went in there with him. Um, it was just a it was it was really fucking nuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I also really loved. Uh, I don't have like a specific passage, but there's you know there there's a lot of uh, discussion about Frodo and and how the ring is affecting him currently, and you know he's he's pretty much like almost catatonic for a lot of this chapter. Um, yes, and the way he talks about it really really made me uh, think of of it being kind of like uh, um, like. Uh, analogous to like depression or something like that um so that you know mm-hmm. and, and and like a lot of the uh you know burden of the ring kind of feels that way but but it it, it I, I thought the way it was presented in this chapter was was done really well yeah yes to to both your points there and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll have more to say about it, but it's interesting to hear you mention like um, it's kind of some initial uncertainty on if the ring was even destroyed. Because I was kind of thinking, reading through that that passage, like even though I I knew, like yeah, that that's how it goes down. Um, I was kind of surprised too that Tolkien doesn't have a almost like a more triumphant line to sort of seal yes. the deal in that moment. Like, you know, oh, and uh, the the ring was, uh, you know, the evil of the ring was finally banished from this world or whatever it is, you know. But, like, there really isn't a line like that. We don't no. get that. No, no, there's not. And that would be, that would be a really easy win for him, too. But um, I, I think it's, like, more realistic here because, like, they're literally at the end of their rope, you know, both Sam and Frodo. Um so it's like it's it it doesn't feel like a triumph. It just you know feels like they 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 stumbled along to the finish line and somehow somehow made it through. You know, and then someone else stumbled over it for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean at the at the end, it's the line is out of the depths came his last wail, precious, and he was gone. There was a roar and a great confusion of noise. Fires leaped up and licked the roof. The throbbing grew to a great tumult, and the mountain shook. I, to me, that kind of reads as like, yeah, the this great powerful thing was destroyed, and it's like, I don't know, the, not, not like the mountains reacting, like the mountains reacting. It's not going to go up like that because Gollum fell in. It's been gurgling throughout the entire chapter. It's been having, you know, uh, but it didn't explode. Tummy rumblies. So, but no, I, I, I do think you're right, Josh, and that that's obviously the intended. Uh, or the intention of that that uh, passage, but um, it it just didn't it didn't feel like yeah you know like as firm or as uh you know like Connor said like triumphant as as maybe we were expecting. Yeah, that's sort of how I took it. Like it's it's not necessarily that it's unclear. It's like by the time you're done reading the chapter. Uh, there's only like a page left after that anyways and i I'm, I'm willing to bet like connor you were like okay yeah i guess the ring must have been destroyed like from the context of everything that's happening it's like okay must have been destroyed and i think there's like a line where 
the the one that makes it i think most clear in the text is like when sam looks at frodo and he says that he sees frodo as he was in the shire like oh, yeah. free of his burden i think is the yep the way he writes it free of his burden i mean it's i, I think it, that's the most explicitly he yes. says it in this chapter yeah it's it's very clear just by the way um sam and frodo are are interacting after it all goes down you know but um but yeah, the expectation was like, you know, Frodo holds out the ring and, and is like, I banish thee, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then throws it, you know, with all of his might. Yeah. And that does not happen. Um, it maybe could not happen. Maybe it's, it's, maybe the ring is too strong for anybody to have that kind of power. Yeah. You know, that. That I think is an idea that we should put a pin in and and circle back to because I I think there's a few things I want to talk about in the lead up to this moment that we're discussing um, that would be worth kind of getting through before we we dig any deeper into it. Although I know it's kind of hard to hold off on like holy fuck they fucking destroyed the ring. Um, I know, <laughs> I know. Sort of on that topic, Josh, I'm wondering if you have any notes or thoughts on like any of the lead up to that moment or like or not. I don't know. Um, I got a few notes. Um, a lot of them are just kind of like comments on the text as, and the story as we're going along more than just trying to keep track of everything because I knew this was going to be an important chapter. Uh, so at the very beginning, if you just want to go back to that. Yes. Um. Sam is just kind of thinking to himself and he he thinks to himself, things all went wrong when he felt when he, meaning Gandalf, went down in Moria. I wish he hadn't. He would have done something. And it, was, it just reminded me that, oh yeah, Sam and Frodo still think that Gandalf is dead. <laughs> right. We've had him for like a full book at this point. Because he came back like less than halfway through uh Two Towers. So we yeah, we've had him for three books like three of the, the books in the yes i see what you mean i think i think he came back in book three we're in book six uh we've had like physically he's been back for a single like volume worth of pages yes right yeah um, and yet they they have no clue yeah exactly it's just like oh yeah he's been he's been back for like three weeks in three or four weeks over a month i think um because i forgot how much time it takes him to get from the battle to the to up north and all that so he's i think he's been reunited with the fellowship for about a month if i if i'm adding it all up properly in my head without actually writing anything down um but yeah sam and frodo have just been on their own for weeks and weeks at this point having right. the worst possible time of their lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they weren't singing the Doom song. <laughs> um, so, moving on from that, when they get to the foot of the mountain, finally, and like, they, they were like 50 miles away or something, like 30 or 40 miles, I think, uh, up north, near the... Uh, Looking at the map, trying to look at the map, it's pages and flipping uh, near the Eisenmouth and uh, Adun and Moranon. And they had to get all the way to there we go 
to Mount Doom, which is to do, do looking at my notes here. Yeah, about 40, 50 miles, according to the scale on the map. Right. And they cover that in about a page. <laughs> uh, so they get to the mountain and they're barely surviving on like scraps of the uh, the elf bread. I forget what it's called. Lemnus. That's right. Yep. Um, Sam is daydreaming about rabbit. Frodo is um, losing himself. It feels like uh, here's, here's the passage. Uh, no, I'm not afraid. Sam said Frodo. At least I know that such, I'm sorry. No, I'm afraid not Sam. At least I know that such things happened, but I cannot see them. No taste of food, no feel of water, no sound of wind, no memory of trees or grass or flower. No image of moon or star are left to me. I am naked in the dark, Sam, and there is no veil between me and the wheel of fire. I begin to see it even in my waking eyes and all else fades. It's just like the ring is really like ripping him apart at this point. Yeah, I do think that's one of the things this chapter uh, really spends a lot of time like hammering home and, and Connor mentioned that too is like just how uh, you know worn down is like too soft of a language really to describe it's like Frodo is a husk yep. you know um, he's just completely all, no one's home like he's barely even Frodo really at all um, and I think that that Tolkien spends enough time on that and writes about it in such a way like that passage you, you just described that I think sells it pretty well, you know, just how, how frail he is and just how, uh, you know, ruined the ring has kind of made him in this moment. This, this is like the most golem that, that he gets to, you know, or that he becomes pretty much. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Especially, you know, because, like, Sam is is there still trying to help him. And, like, I think, like, in comparison to Sam, most of all, too, like, it it feels very, uh, um, it's, like, pitiful, right? So. Yeah. Um, The other note I had here in this spot when they get to the bottom of the mountain is they decide that they're going to, before they climb, they're going to drop off everything that they can't, they don't want to carry up with them just to lessen the load. Um, so they, they talk about, or they, um, (sighs) Frodo says something. I'll be an orc no more and I'll bear no weapon fair or foul. Uh, let them take me if they will. And they put aside their orc gear, uh, Sam took out all the things in his pack, including his pots and pans. Uh, and my note here is like, oh, they're just dropping all their weapons. I guess that means just Sting is sitting at the bottom of Mount Doom now. But I kept reading, and it gets to the point where Sam takes all those things, and instead of leaving a sword out that Sam thinks Gollum might be able to steal and use against them, he throws them into a crevasse finds nearby. And all like wincing as all his pots and pans like rattle down the, into the abyss, but it notes that he kept Sting for himself, hanging on his belt. So yes. Sting is not sitting at the bottom of Mount Doom, <laughs> just chilling in the fires with the ring. Um, 
But I'm glad he, I'm, I'm glad that was brought up because it's like, well, here's this thing that has been with us since The Hobbit. Yeah, and yeah, it just pops up every now. It's like a, it's an object that is almost its own character at this point. Not so much as the ring, but yeah. Not I, only is it sentimental, it's like, wouldn't it be stupid yes. to just be like, oh yeah, I don't need a sword. You're in Mordor, like you should have something. Yeah, sentimental is the word I was looking for. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of funny. Yeah, Sam's throwing away his uh, his pots and pans and stuff. I mean, not funny at Sam's expense, but right. Um, He's been carrying them around for like two weeks when yes. they've been in mortar where they can't get food. <laughs> He's been holding on to hope. <laughs> yeah, and you know, oh. kind of on that on that note, because uh, yes, they are about to climb, and I just have a few things I want to say prior to that. But there there were a few lines sort of on that topic of. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about hope remaining and, and you know, hope kind of hanging on or growing stronger even in the, the face of, like, overwhelming darkness and blah, blah, blah. There's a line uh, towards the beginning of this chapter where uh, Sam, I think he's, like, thinking about how much food they have left and how no matter how they ration it, like they, they only have enough food to get there. And so even if they get there to Mount Doom, like, and they're able to walk away, they won't even like have the food to survive. So Mm -hmm. in so many ways, they are almost assuredly going to die no matter how successful their, their quest is. And yet Sam sort of ruminating on that thought gives us this line. Uh, Tolkien writes, But even as hope died in Sam, or seemed to die, it was turned to a new strength. Because, like, you know, Sam is sort of uh, resolute in, in like, well, you know, if I'm going to die, no matter what, then I might as well die doing the quest. So, like, he's even able to sort of, like, uh, reincorporate, like, the absolute certainty of his own death into, like, strength for him to complete the journey. And I just really like this kind of recurring motif and idea of like um you really only lose hope when you choose to which i think is like kind of flowery and and not really true to life in a lot of ways but like in terms of like the the you know i think what the the story of lord of the rings is like trying to show you is that like there's kind of always um there's always a choice and there's always like a way to um you know, not give in to despair, I think, is ultimately the the thing. Like, this story is very much against nihilism, and it's it's very much in favor of, like, acting and doing something, even if that thing feels, like, completely pointless, because rationally, you're like, there's no way that it's going to matter or amount to anything, but it's like, we see, obviously, with, with what happens in this chapter, that there are so many moments that seem to be, like, absolute certain hopelessness and yet each time those characters face those moments by choosing to act even if they only go one step further it's like those are the little steps that add up to destroying the ring so i liked this line and i and i like this moment of like sam sam like accepting his death and like using that as as like strength 
to continue. That was a cool Sam moment. Yeah, Connor, well said. Um, uh, a couple things, like, um, again, this was a good example of, of Sam being the, maybe the most resilient character in the entire series, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it was really, uh, you know, even seeing him, you know, in, in a really dark headspace, you know, debating himself. Right. And then snapping himself out of it, moving on. Um, uh, so yeah, he's consistent. He is resilient. Um, he is Sam, the Sam, the powerful in my book. Um, and then, you know, what you said about kind of, uh, going on, um, in hope, even after, you know, like logic would have it that there's nothing you can do and that this is the end, that there's no point. Um, I, I think that if you were to sum up Lord of the Rings into like a single message or meaning, I think that's it. I think, I think you nailed it. I think that's absolutely, um, the main takeaway or at least one of the main takeaways, um, of the whole series. Um, and, uh, in my mind, like it, it does kind of, you know, connect in real life terms. Um, and I think everyone has experienced this obviously on maybe smaller levels, but, um, you know, humans, like we, we are, you know, very bound by logic and, uh, a lot of times we don't factor in, in the, like the, just the chaos of the universe and of the world. And like, we, you know, we don't know when unknown variables like Gollum popping up and, and wrestling the ring from you and then falling in the, you know, the pit. Um, like we, we just don't know. So I think it's, it's a, uh, you know, another, you know, reason to, to keep going is just because like, yeah, you, you just, you don't actually know, like, um, you can be as clever as, as can be and, and, you know, be you know, very, very logical and, um, calculating and, you know, you're, everything could be flipped upside down, you know, a few steps down the street. So, uh, yeah, I think those were, uh, that, that was a, uh, a point well made, Connor, I think. I, I'm happy you uh, brought those those moments up. Yeah, thanks, man. And I mean, your comments on that too. I I think kind of uh, shed a light a lot of light on that too. You know, just just on um, it's like yeah, you could be as sure as sure as you are that that yeah, there's no way anything's gonna happen or like it's completely hopeless, and yet. Um, you know, you're not a, you're not the Kwisatz Haderach, you know, you're not, you're not going to just, uh, and even then, you know, even then it's like, we've all seen how really that know. goes. I know. I know. It's like, there's a danger in being too certain too. Right. So it's like, yeah, there, there is sort of a, a strength in, in going on just, you know, just because it's like, yeah, there's sort of a beauty in being proven wrong, I guess, or, or even if you aren't, it's like the only way for there to be an opportunity for something else to happen is to act. You know, if you, I guess it's like talk about like being logical and, and like understanding certainties. It's like the only logical certainty would be that if Sam and Frodo gave up, then it will never happen. You know, the odds, yeah. 
r reduced to zero immediately. And yet, if they go on, even if the odds are only 0 0.0000000001 or whatever it is, it's like it's more than zero just by taking one more step forward. You know, the odds are better than nothing. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that is cool. Okay. Um, we talked about, yeah, Frodo sort of being a husk. There's even moments where Frodo kind of keeps like lashing out at Sam. I -huh. liked the moment where Sam, Sam knows that Frodo is going to get angry with him if he asks to take the ring, but Sam feels so bad for Frodo, he can't not ask him. Um, yeah. And then of course, yeah, like Frodo, Frodo freaks out and then he regains his senses and he apologizes, but like that dynamic, you know, their close friendship sort of being, uh, uh, you know, put to the test or, or, uh, burdened by, by the ring, I think is really well done in those moments. I liked part of the line that you read before, Josh, the I am naked in the dark. You know, there's no veil between me and the wheel of fire. Yep. Which is still kind of funny because it's like, until Frodo puts on the ring, Sauron doesn't know where they are. So it's like, there must be some <laughs> kind of a veil, right? Because otherwise, wouldn't you know that they're Mount Doom? I don't know. Well, he's also distracted by the, uh, uh, the Western princes or generals, whatever the hell they were referred to as uh, marching up to meet them at the Black Gate. Yeah. I, I think it says towards the end, like all of Sauron's attention was on the Black Gate and that battle up until the very moment Frodo put on the ring in Mount Doom. And that's when like Sauron freaks out. is like, what the fuck is this? And then all of, yes, all of his armies are just like, uh, orders what motivation what <laughs> yeah I, I got some thoughts on that when we get um for well, a little so, later so i guess sort of leading up to that because you're saying right it's like uh sauron's attention is is all on the the western captains is maybe how he calls it that may be um, yeah and it's like yes we know that that's true I think what's funny about that is um, I think that's remarked on by Frodo or Sam when they see the tower itself off in the distance, which it's like one, Hey, cool. We can actually like, these are the, the care, like we've heard a lot about this tower, but this is literally the only singular time any character in Lord of the Rings gazes upon the tower. They never even get there. They simply just like behold it from a distance. Yeah. And the fucking eye of Sauron is just a window. Did you pick up on that? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. I wasn't sure if that was Tolkien's like more metaphorical kind of language or, or if it was literal, but I, I did see that I used that, those words, I, I just didn't know how to take it. Climbed the last high in the upper cone, but still far from the reek, reeking summit to a dark entrance that gazed back east straight to the window of the eye in Sauron's shadow. The window of the eye in Sauron's shadow mantled fortress. So that's that's referring to Samoth Nair, Nair, uh, the chambers of fire on Mount Doom. They look east. Uh, 
Sorry, I lost my spot. Um, they look east straight to the window of the eye in Sauron's Shadow Mantle Fortress, which is Baradur. Well, so it's not saying the window is an eye, the window of the eye. That's a good point. I guess is... But again, it's like Tolkien doesn't take any time here to, to further explain it, so... Um, I don't know. But but what I kind of thought was funny about it is... Uh, so they... Frodo and Sam kind of realize that Sauron is sort of distracted because... I think they can literally see that the eye, whatever it is, is fixated in one direction. It's not looking at them, right? Right. And it's just kind of funny to me that, uh, I don't know, I sort of consider Sauron to be this very, like, ethereal, formless, sort of, like, you know, omnipresent, dark power. And yet, like here, Tolkien's like, no, um, actually, he is just an eye. And if he's looking in one way, it means that he's very literally just not able to see anywhere so, else. Like he just looks so, in one direction and he can't see anything else because he's not looking at it. And I was like, really? All right. So, well, he, he the, the phrasing he was using made it sound like 100% of his attention. So when everything started to fall apart for Sauron, um, when when... Frodo put on the ring. Um, for, from all his policies and webs of fear and treachery, from all his stratagems and wars, his mind shook free. And throughout his realm, a, ter a tremor ran. His slaves quailed and his armies halted and his captains suddenly steerless, bereft of will, wavered and despaired, for they were forgotten. The whole mind and purpose of the power that wielded them was now bent with overwhelming force upon the mountain. At his summons, reeling with rendering, rending cry, the last desperate race there flew faster than the winds, the Nazgul, the ring race, and with a storm of wings, they hurled southward towards Mount Doom. So that phrasing there with the whole mind and purpose of the power that wielded them got me thinking that Sauron may be closer to like a hive mind intelligence, um, kind of like the great intelligence from Doctor Who, the Borg from Star Trek, where... Oh, or what's that thing? What's that thing that you meet at the end of Halo Two? The Grave Mind. It, yeah, that thing. Yeah, exact. No, exactly. It's it is a central intelligence for something that's more dispersed. And Sauron's like what you call like Lord of the Rings equivalent of the Grave Mind, or the Borg Queen, or uh, the Great Intelligence, or I'm trying to think of any other examples. Um, in sci-fi, because that's usually where it pops up. I but, think those three are pretty solid. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Because um, it, it's like as soon as all 100% of his attention is on Frodo in the ring, all of his slaves, all of his armies, they are completely lost. It's not like, oh, they've been getting orders from up high and they're going off to to execute them until they die or get new orders. No, they, as soon as Sauron is no longer paying attention to them, they are lost. They don't know what they're supposed to do. And the battle at the black gate turns around at this point, we find out. So Sauron was literally controlling all of these entities um, through fear, perhaps, but like he had direct control over them to some extent. 
yeah. which I think is the first confirmation that we ever get of that. It, it, up to now, it seemed like his power was more subtle and more of the like head honcho giving orders kind of power. Um, but no, this is very direct. He is in command. He is they're effectively brainwashed. Um, and it's just like he's a dominant mind that overrides the will of others under his control. Yeah, uh, that's all the really, really good points. And I like the examples you gave for like points of comparison, because I, I was going to kind of bring this idea up as, um, you know, again, not a criticism. I have very few criticisms of the story, but I was going to mm-hmm. point it out as something that felt strange to me because like sort of like you were saying, Josh, it's like, well, even if Sauron is distracted or, or even if there's this, uh, there's this sort of great upheaval um, within like the person at the top of the pyramid, why everyone's there. All the soldiers are there. Uh, the army's gathered. It's like, you know that the only thing you need to do is kill the good guys. So it doesn't really matter if your boss, you know, is suddenly freaking out. It's like, you can still just do the thing and kill the good guys. And right. yet, uh, they, yeah, they literally can't do that. So sort of connecting those things. Um, and I guess like considering that Sauron sort of has them like literally much more enslaved than, than, you know, has been revealed to us before. I think is probably true. And I guess maybe it does speak to the power that Sauron's been wielding this whole time in ways that we haven't really thought about it. It's like, you know, how many, Mm -hmm. how many evil beings, you know, have, they've all been under the sway of Sauron, but like very literally like under the, 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 the control. Um, It is, it is kind of strange to consider like, just how far reaching his influence may have been and just how many like little bits of Sauron could have been in however many like tens of thousands of uh or or more, you know, entities that he yeah. was commanding the whole time. Mhm. Yeah, indeed. Um <clears throat> I think the only well, okay, so we kind of stopped before talking about, like, the being at the foot of the mountain, right? And yep. so there, there's Total only one more there. thing I want to mention before, like, we, okay, we really get into it. We really freaking get into it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's this moment on my copy. It's page 217. So let me, quickly, let me quickly open to that. Um I want to preface this by saying I'm not reading this brief passage to highlight any uh, <laughs> any potential homosexual relationship between Frodo and Sam. I, I, I'm literally, I'm only saying, this is a serious preface because a lot of times we've read passages like this and then it's like, hey, what do you think about that? You know, could that? Could that potentially be hinting at something? And uh but that's not why I want to read this this brief line. I do think this brief line could be viewed as part of that, again, but it's not why I want to read it. So here we go. This is the line. Uh, it is... Uh, where was it? 
Ah, here it is, right? Yeah. Then sleep took him in the dim light of the last day. Yeah, this is it. Then sleep took him, talking about Sam, and the dim light of the last day of their quest found them side by side, and they, they fall asleep together, and because mm -hmm. Sam, like, left all their stuff behind beforehand, he doesn't even have, like, the cloak or the blanket to cover him, and so he covers him with his body, right? He's, they're literally, like, holding each other. And, and really what I got out of that was, like, just the lengths of Sam's dedication you know sam is literally like even if you don't have a blanket like i will be a blanket you know i will be anything that that i you know i can be to to be of service and i really liked that tolkien notes in this line <clears throat> that it's the last day because obviously like there have been so many days, so many months and, and years ultimately of like with the beginning of this journey to the end in a lot of ways. And I felt like there was a lot of power in Tolkien just like matter of factly writing out the last day of their quest. And and that like as the light shines on them in those moments of the beginning of that final day you know, who is it but Frodo and Sam together uh, who who are, like, really the only thing standing between uh, you know, I guess, like, the end of the world um, you know, just, just these two very humble and and what many would consider to be minor characters as, as hobbits, again, that's kind of the whole deal. Everyone knows that, but yep. but um, I just felt like there was there was like I really appreciated the focus of this line as like highlighting Frodo and Sam's relationship, however you perceive that to be, and um, and that like this is the the true culmination of like everything that we've read. And it's it's a very powerful line, but like it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of innocuous in its own way. It's it's just it's you know Tolkien's just like here it is last day you know you're ready. So I really like that line. Okay, so then they start climbing up the mountain, and then they get to the initial Gollum confrontation, and Frodo goes on ahead. Sam stays behind because he's planning on just killing Gollum. Sam doesn't kill Gollum. Tolkien writes very explicitly on why Sam chooses not to kill Gollum. But I'm just wondering before we get to like the, the big shit here, like what are your thoughts on Sam sparing Gollum in this moment, if any? I, where was that? Sorry, I had a couple notes before that chronologically, so I was hanging on those. It, um, do you want do you want to do that first, then, Josh? Because I don't want to. Uh, um, yeah, it's gonna be hard to go back. Honestly, that's okay. So, so why don't we? Because I I just assumed so, that we had gone through those. My bad. I, no, it's all right. Um, I, I took more notes than usual for this chapter, but um, I honestly could not find that where that passage was in my book that you read. I, I remember reading it, but I could not find it. Um, oh. Uh, don't give me a page number because it's not going to no, help. No, no, I, I know the page number won't help you, but um, if you find 
if you find a paragraph that starts with now for it now for the last yes gasp, says yep, Sam, I'm, I'm looking at that right now literally the end of the paragraph just above it is where you will find that it okay says, the wind had fallen the day before blah 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 uh it, it's somewhere in that paragraph where i just read it yep okay yep i see it now i was expecting it i must have missed it but anyway thank you um so about two paragraphs after that uh sam is asking uh had asked frodo uh, if he could carry the ring for him to, you know, lighten his burden. And Frodo obviously did not like this idea, being under the influence of the ring. Yeah. And uh, so Sam figured out the loophole. Uh, Come, Mr. Frodo, he cried. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you and it as well. So up you get. Come, Mr. Frodo. Uh, sorry, he says Mr. Frodo, dear. Uh, Sam will give you a ride. Just tell him where to go and he'll go. Mm -hmm. So he carries Frodo piggyback and is surprised by how light the burden is. I, he was half expecting there to be like the weight of the ring and, you know, Frodo, a fully grown hobbit, but he's just like super light, like even lighter than a small child. Yeah. I think that surprises him and worries him at the same time because it makes, makes me wonder like how much weight have they lost as hobbits just subsisting on the the way bread for a week true but you know what this moment reminded me of i'm glad you brought it up because um mm -hmm. it made me think of this in a way I, it's kind of humorous but like i mean it very sincerely uh in the animated classic how the grinch stole christmas the grinch grabs the sleigh just before it's about to tumble off of uh the mountain, which also has like some sort of like Mount whatever name, I think. And um, anyways, the, the Grinch is like hoisted above his head. Yeah, Mount Hill. It is that, isn't it? <laughs> and he has the strength of 10 Grinches plus two. And some say his heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs> but I just uh, like that. I can I watched that uh, every year for a long time growing up as a kid. Mm -hmm. And um like that moment of like the golden rays like shining off of him is like very clear in my mind and like that's how i imagined sam lifting frodo it's like 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 sam is so indomitable in this moment like i i think it's not even Tolkien kind of comments on his writing too here. It's like, is it that they lost a lot of weight or is it that like, you know, there's some sort of divine intervention? What is it? Like Tolkien doesn't give a clear answer. And I sort of took it. I'll, I'll just, just, just that like, I think Sam is channeling like this light within him. I think Frodo is heavy. I think the ring is heavy. I think Sam is just stronger than the darkness. Yeah. I, I take it like, hmm. um, you know those stories when, like, you know, a mother like lifts a car off of her toddler. Like it's like yes, crazy endorphins released, and like you're you're kind of like superhuman for a moment because you're just in in a really, uh, you know, crazy situation, and it, and it you know releases all these chemicals in your brain. Yes. So that's that's from a science you know scientific perspective. 
You, yeah. you can call me Mr. Science. If you want. <laughs> right. That's, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're Mr. Logic and certainties over here, yes. you know, you're crunching the numbers. I hope I didn't cut anyone off there. I just, uh, I wanted to talk about the Grinch. Yep. He's a mean it's a real one. Grinch moment for me. Okay, was was there uh, something else um, you wanted to mention too before that, Josh? Before uh, the, the golem moment. So they're about halfway up the mountain, and Sam takes a moment to like look where they are and where they had, where they've got, come from, where they, how much they have left to go. First off, this this section made me think of when Homer Simpson was cr- climbing a mountain in one episode, and he like gets over. It looks like it's the top, and he looks up, and there's like four times as much mountain ahead of him and I, I it made me think of that scene for some reason um, but the actual text and what I want to talk about is kind of the opposite of that he looked back and then he looked up and he was amazed to see how far his last effort had brought him the mountain standing ominous and alone had looked taller than it was Sam now saw it for <clears throat> Sam saw now it was less lofty than the high passes of the Ephel Dueth uh, which he and Frodo had scaled the confused and tumbled shoulders of its great base rose for maybe 3,000 feet above the plain, and above them was reared half as high again its tall central cone, like a vast oast or chimney capped with jagged crater. Oh, did we lose Connor? Oh, he's oh, no, back. We lost you for a I second. I, no, I didn't fucking go anywhere. You didn't have to say anything. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. Okay. So well, the camera flash. Touched Sorry, the camera flash. So, yeah. Struck anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um. Anyway, my point for that is, it I I wasn't able to really put together a full thought on this. So my note here is just something something evil alone up close isolated is lesser, <laughs> and I just haven't been able to like put the words together for how when they got up close to Mount Doom, this like uh, this stand-in for evil in this mm-hmm. in this case it's just belching fire and brimstone and smoke this entire book and they're finally up close to it they're on it and it now seems smaller than they expected it it's still there and, and it's still an obstacle but it's not once they're there it's no longer as bad um as they as it seemed from afar and like there was a bit of an optical illusion going on where it seems larger it loomed over them. Yeah. Um, and part of that, uh, as I'm saying it that way, makes me think of, you know, when you're procrastinating to put some, something you don't want to do off. Um, and you finally start doing it. It's like, why didn't I do this? This is, I'm already halfway done that I should have done this from the beginning instead of fretting about it for all this time. Um, but I'm, what I really was trying to get across between my scatterbrain moments is I, I was seeing a metaphor here where evil, when you really look at it, is not as, I don't want to say great because <laughs> that could be misread. Um, it It's not as overbearing not as um over overwhelming as it might otherwise seem because you can get through it like it's just kind of what you've been going on about with uh 
Sam is able to overcome the darkness and uh, finding hope. Y- y- you could just choose to find hope whenever you want kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's when, when you're there, the mountain isn't as big. Yeah. So I, I think you're exactly right to, to take it that way and to point all that out. Um, and I, yeah, I know just what you mean, Josh. Um, I think that there's a few other moments like, just after the ring is destroyed and sort of in like the wake of of that destruction and like the army scattering and stuff that i think tolkien sort of is driving home this this idea that sauron's power this whole time has sort of been an illusion that that everyone buys into on either side like the the people that fought for sauron it's like suddenly the 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 curtain falls you know and and it's revealed that there's really nothing there at all um the the whole power structure is sort of built on this lie or this like massive um it's like the wizard of oz this massive debt it is kind of like the wizard of oz yeah the man behind and it's like sauron you know could be the the most powerful thing imaginable if he obtains the ring and yet he also could have no power at all if it doesn't happen you know um and that's ultimately where the you know that coin falls obviously but but yeah i do i do think that tolkien's kind of showcasing this point of of uh you know the tools of evil and the the designs of evil itself are like they're they're revealed to be ultimately hollow so um there's there's like an emptiness to it that that seems seems real to those who are you know afraid and coerced into fighting on behalf of it and yet um when the time comes when, when there's when there's nothing else to be done uh, Sauron's kind of revealed to be nothing in the end yeah um, Yeah, I do think I'll want to maybe expand on that a little bit more. As we, I think there's a couple details we'll probably cover that we can connect back to that. Um, but otherwise, I uh, was there anything else you wanted to mention before Gollum? No, I was just quickly going through my notes, and literally everything else is about Gollum and I guess there's that vision Sam had of like Frodo talking to Gollum. Yeah, that, that is that weird. is related. Yeah, uh, I just have a, a note of the end is nigh, um, but I think that's kind of related to the vision again. But yeah, I, th- I think we can get to, get into Gollum now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't fully know what to make of that moment and that vision because it really it does seem like Sam just has this this kind of trippy experience where like the things that he's seen are just like not real 
you know? Um, Which they're, they're undernourished for hobbits and have been on an incredibly long and difficult journey. I could, I could see him having a hallucination or two at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it does seem like it's a very uh, meaningful metaphorical kind of like, you know, it's like, it's, it's sort of like this hyper reality of what's happening. Like, yeah. Like um, Frodo's like shining, like angelic and it's like almost a Messiah thing. And one of my notes is be not afraid. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think uh, Frodo is sort of described as a, as an angel or something here. It's, it's certainly very divine. Which is, it's a little strange because he's under the influence of the ring and at his lowest at this point. Like, like just about to hit his lowest where he, he falls to the ring. And here he, here's Sam just looking, seeing him as a literal angel. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like he's wielding like this great and terrible power. Like, excuse me. You know something about there. There's almost something concerning. I think about like how pristine Sam sees Frodo in this moment. It's like there's something off-putting about it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so ultimately we we were talking about how Sam chooses to spare Gollum here, and uh, I, I I that was something I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on as well. Just. I don't I think, know, your reactions or, or, or any, yeah, whatever you thought about it. I, I think that since he had to bear the ring himself for a day or two while he was chasing Frodo, or maybe it was like three or four days, um, I feel like even that small experience with the ring gave him just enough empathy for, for Gollum and what he has become. And, after, and seeing what Frodo is going through now um, as he's slipping further and further into the influence of the ring. Um, I think that was just enough to push him over the edge to pity Gollum enough to spare his life. Yes. And, and to have, and to have some enough empathy to, to, to reach that point. Cause I, I, I was reading that. And I, I think, I think up to this point, I don't think Sam really had any empathy for Gollum at all until he himself bore the ring as well. Right. Yeah. No, not really. Um, in fact, he'd been thinking about killing him for a long time, like very excitedly, kind of, you know, very openly talking about it too. It's like a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, and so um, Tolkien does write, you know, have a line in there on like how uh, Sam's experience with the Ring does does grant him this empathy, um, and I don't know. Um, I, I do have some more thoughts I'd like to share, but do you want to weigh in at all, Connor, or just uh, I, your thoughts on this moment? I, I think what Josh said makes a lot of sense, and uh, I think probably does come into play, whether it's um, his, you know, Sam's own experience wearing the ring, or just seeing what it has done to Frodo, you know, um, especially just in the last few days. Um I think that comes into play, but also I'm I'm not convinced that there was ever a point where where Sam really would have killed Gollum, and and I know he, and you know maybe this is just like uh, you know wearing rose colored glasses or something, but I I just don't think that he has the heart to do it. I think he's he you know he he, he talked the talk for sure, um, and they got they got into some pretty the bad scrapes, but I I I just. I don't know. 
I I don't know if I uh, if I would feel confident saying that there was a time where I think he would have actually gone through with it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's it is kind of hard to imagine Sam doing that because he's such a nurturing and compassionate character in like all other regards. Um, I don't know. It's kind of unsettling to see like how uh, we we have seen these moments where he's sort of pushed to the brink and like he feels ready to do it. But yeah, it's like I I, I guess you're right. It's like maybe maybe even then. Uh, there's kind of a question on on if he if he would really uh, go through with it or not. Yeah. And I guess I just thought there was sort of this idea of like um, the importance of like shared experiences or you know um, sort of like how how easy it is to do harm to others when you don't understand their experience, right? Like it's, it's so mm-hmm. easy to other, um, others <laughs> when, when what they've gone through or what their experiences are, are, you know, different from your own. And yet when Sam gets even a taste of that, even just a small moment, he's like, Hey, like I, I guess I can sort of see where this Gollum guy is coming from or like, or I I, I can better understand the events that were outside of his control that led to him becoming what he is. Um, And that's like a really small moment here, but I think it's like a really big takeaway of Tolkien just sort of being like, I don't know, um, just, just the importance of you know being willing to share someone else's experience or consider someone else's experience uh because if you can't do that like that's exactly how every atrocity and horrible thing throughout history has like happened and and like ultimately kind of boils down to is um you know dismissing their experience or dismissing their humanity or whatever it is and and yet it's like you know sam sam gets even just a small moment of consideration and he's like hey you know i was pretty ready to like kill this motherfucker before (laughs) but now i kind of like get it and it seems wrong you know um yeah so absolutely i think that is uh that's that's another important takeaway all right. Well, and then uh, so so that kind of leads us to the actual cracks of doom, right? The Samoth Nor. Yep. And so Sam, Sam gets there just behind Frodo. We get this like awesome imagery of Sam entering in the uh, through through the door, and it's like dark, right? but we get these flashes of red as like the lava sort of like churns and bubbles from underneath. And then suddenly there's like a great blast of it. And Tolkien describes Sam seeing Frodo like silhouetted against the, the red 
uh, illumination and he's standing there still as a stone and it's like it feels like something's wrong you know and uh, and Frodo says he's not gonna do it um, the ring is mine <laughs> yeah um and in fact i think since so, i i i'd like to talk about that and um i'm like where is where is that line probably a second to last page or third to last it's right at the end when they're in the in the cave Ah, this is what he says. Thank you, Josh. So, Frodo says, I have come, he said, but I do not choose now to do what I came to do. I will not do this deed. The ring is mine. And suddenly, as he set it on his finger, he vanished from Sam's sight. Yeah. Uh, and then even, like, Tolkien follows that up with, like, and then a bunch of things happened. So it's like, yep. there really isn't even any time to reflect on this moment. I feel like in the text, like, as you're reading it, I feel like there's not even a, a moment to consider, like, oh, wow, you know, Frodo came all this way and went through this entire perilous journey, and then, like, here... You know, literally with just one simple action of, of letting go of the ring, you know, the, the, the quest could be complete. The whole thing that they set out to do. Um, you know, but it, it just feels, like, really significant that Frodo is, like, ultimately corrupted. Like, he can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to talk about that for a little bit, too. What are your um, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it, it is surprising. It is shocking. Um, not totally um, out of nowhere, obviously. It's kind of signposted. And then that brings me back to my thought, like, what is there anybody who could hold the ring, wear the ring, and then willfully give it up like that? Um, or willfully, to you know, destroy it, like... You know, I mean, I I don't know. Obviously, Bilbo gave it up, and that was difficult. Um, ultimately, he did it, but will there ever be a time where he he doesn't want it? You know, like um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's an interesting question. I I don't know if there's an answer. Um, but yeah, th- this was a real you know what the fuck moment, and I mean. I I do wish there was more time spent with it, but um, like you said, like once he puts the ring on, disappears, it kind of just everything goes to hell, and I think it's done that way on purpose because um, we're kind of in Sam's position where we have no time to think at all, you know. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's tough. It makes you think about, you know the the addiction aspect of it too you know and, and um yeah i mean i i, I it, it makes me think like there was never going to be any other way out you know especially with some of the golem discussion we have in the next chapter you know um uh yeah 
Mm-hmm. What about you, Josh? Anything you'd like to add on Frodo deciding to not destroy the ring? Um, I was a little surprised. I thought it would be more of a struggle that halted him until Gollum showed up again. Um, I didn't fully expect him to I didn't expect him to fully uh, succumb to the the influence of the ring at that point. And it's kind of like uh, what we know happened to Isildur uh, way back when, where he had the chance to destroy the ring, but he chose not to and set the entire story in motion. Um, I think you guys covered pretty much everything about him uh, taking the ring for himself. It's just, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little disappointing, but it's also kind of realistic. I mean, he, we've seen his decline this entire book. It's not completely unexpected. It's just a little disappointing that he ultimately fell and that he's only saved by one of his enemies. Also just with the same uh, desire that he has for the ring. Right. Yes, I want to talk more about Gollum playing his role here. But the thing that I... uh, The thing that I felt like was kind of glossed over, or or there's not even an opportunity for it to happen, um, that, like, was maybe a little disappointing for me, I guess. Um is that I really like this idea of Frodo wearing the ring in the end or claiming it for himself, you know, like that, that even in the end, Frodo is corrupted by it. And like you're saying, Josh, sort of echoes Isildur's failure from, from ages past. That's all like really cool. I like all that. Um, what I, I hesitate to say what I didn't like about it, but, (laughs) but, uh, I guess what I wish could have been expanded on, it's like if Frodo's going to wear the ring and and rejects like the quest at the very end here, it's like we don't get any reaction from Sam. And again, it's like things happen so fast that he I doesn't really I, have time to react. Right. I get why it doesn't happen. But I feel like that would have been the most interesting part because it's like, you know, imagine Frodo and Sam are traveling this entire time together. They go through everything that they go through to get here. Sam does everything that he does to get Frodo to this moment Mm -hmm. for Frodo to still fail, you know? And I was kind of just like imagining like what would it have been like if even there were two or three minutes between when Frodo puts the ring on and Gollum shows up, like what would Sam have done? You know, or even just a minute. Yeah. Uh, a minute is like, a long time in this situation. It is. And and so I just wonder, it's like, does, you know, does, does, because then Sam is faced with the choice of like the quest or Frodo, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like, do, do you destroy the ring or, or do you destroy Frodo? You know, it's like, or what is it? Do you, just, you know, you're at the end of the road there. You, you think you're going to die. Do you just tackle your friend into the, the, you know, pit and do you die together? Yeah. And I have to imagine that Tolkien as the author of this story, the person who created this moment, like, 
My assumption is that they're con they considered what we're talking about. My guess is that Tolkien recognized that he could have structured this moment to have that play out and decided that he didn't want it to happen. So a part of me, I feel like, is like, okay, I... I trust that there's merit in Tolkien's decision. You know, it's like I, I, I trust that as the author here that that he made a a very deliberate choice to omit that moment. You know, um, and I respect that. You know, but but as a reader, I guess it felt like there's this huge heel turn. And yet we don't get like the fallout or the consequences of it. And again, like I'm not going to say that that was bad or poorly handled because I think it's actually an incredible moment. And I think what happens in this moment it is very well done. But I, but I guess I also have to admit and say that it, it felt like there could have been an opportunity to like expand on it more. And yet I, I sort of also have to recognize that. Tolkien must have known that and chose not to. So I, I don't know. I think there's a bit of a push and pull there for me, but um, but that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up as well. Because I, I I just kept thinking like, man, like what what could it have been like, you know, if if Sam and Frodo had to really struggle and contend with those choices rather than Gollum sort of forcing the issue for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of leads into my last note for this chapter. Um, it's the very end. Sam is talking about um, he, he's uh, lamenting the loss of his of Frodo's finger uh, and that he has nothing to bind it with or comfort it. Um, I would have spared my him a whole hand of mine rather, but he's gone now beyond real. Uh, beyond all recall, gone forever. Yes, said Frodo, but do you remember Gandalf's words? Even Gollum may have something yet to do. But for him, Sam, I could not have destroyed the ring. The quest would have been in vain, even at the bitter end. So let us forgive him, for the quest is achieved, and now all is over. Yeah. So in Frodo thinks that Gollum has redeemed himself by saving uh, him, Frodo, uh, and, you know, hurting him to greedily take the ring. It may not have been his intention, but uh, I guess the ends justify the means. Yeah, that's that's the moment that I thought was in the next chapter where, uh, you know, about uh, Gollum having a part to play in the end, which which obviously has been signposted from the beginning or near the beginning. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think in, in a way he, he is redeemed. Um I yeah I don't know I I um. It's interesting that you know Frodo even had an inkling I think all along that something like that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the the most intriguing thing to me about like this moment and about like their discussion afterwards is Gollum is the one who really destroys the ring in the end. You know, yeah. Frodo Frodo <laughs> carries it the entire time from fucking the Shire to Mordor. 
but Frodo himself can't bring himself to destroy the ring. Technically, Gollum destroys the ring. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Gollum saved the day. Gollum saves the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there, and there's definitely a kind of irony to that because, yeah, obviously, it's not what he's trying to do. He wants the ring for himself, but it does feel very like uh, poetic that that Gollum and the ring are destroyed together. You know, their fates are are bound in such a way that. Um, one can't really exist without the other. Gollum even says just prior that obviously he knows they're here to destroy the ring. And when he's like pleading to Sam, he's like, if you destroy the ring, I'll just turn to dust. You know, it's like Gollum, Gollum literally can't fat. He, he probably literally can't exist without the ring. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if the ring's going to be destroyed, then Gollum will too. And, and so, um, yeah, it is kind of a funny twist that uh, that they go out together and that Gollum is really the one responsible for it happening because I, I guess that's... I guess you are sort of still meant to ask yourself the question, like, what would Sam have done? Or, like, maybe maybe that's the whole deal because it's like... I I guess in this moment, Frodo is sort of owning up to his own failure, you know, and saying, well... Uh, obviously the, the ring had complete control over me. I, I was not going to destroy it. And so it's like, we forgive Gollum because without him, the ring wouldn't have been destroyed. You know, Sauron would have still won in the end. You know, this, this was like the opportunity mm-hmm. to really do it. And, um, and so he, he, unwittingly or, or not, you know, Gollum is the one who, who destroys the ring and saves the day. And, uh, Um, and so I guess it also sort of still leaves room for like, what if Gollum wasn't there? There's so many times for them to have killed Gollum in The Hobbit, in maybe not Fellowship, because, you know, he's kind of just lingering around there, in The Two Towers. And then even here, you know, it's like it it does feel like it's such an important moment. Like Tolkien still gives Sam this character who more than any any other in in the whole series probably hates Gollum the most. Like, you know, Sam fucking hates the shit out of Gollum. That's pretty much been their relationship the whole time. And Tolkien gives Sam the opportunity the the complete green light, the total go-ahead. Frodo's not even there, you know? It's just him and Gollum. Sam can do it. Sam can kill Gollum in this moment, and, you know, it won't... Who cares? It won't matter, you know? He's just like a dog on the fucking side of the road. Like, I would never do that. That'd be some sick sociopathic shit to do. But, you know, it's like... it. <laughs> Gollum is nothing. Gollum is fucking nothing in this moment. And and Tolkien still chooses to include this moment where Sam can so easily kill him. And yet, th- there there's such importance to him sparing him and showing him that empathy. And it's paid off immediately, right? It's like, 
and and so I guess uh, you know I'll wrap up here, but like I'm just trying to say that um, I feel like Tolkien is tempting the characters over and over again. Like Gollum is the most reprehensible, unforgivable, horrible piece of shit. Why the fuck wouldn't you kill him, right? And yet <laughs> it's it's empathy and it's mercy that saves the day. It's very much like the ending of Return of the Jedi. You know, like the Emperor is not defeated by being more powerful than him and striking him down. That's what he wants. He wants you to give in to like that wicked nature. He wants you to be like him and to destroy because no matter what happens, if he dies or not, like you lost, like he's brought you down to that level. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's the defiance in the face of that ultimate evil that, um, is what ultimately proves righteous in, in the end. And, and so, uh, if they had slain Gollum, the consequences are obvious. Frodo would have worn the ring, and it all would have went to shit, and it wouldn't have mattered that they got the ring all the way to Mount Doom. And and so, in the end, it He would is, have become another Gollum. He would have, right. And and so, it's it's mercy, and it's empathy, and it's compassion that are, like, the, 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 true, the true undoing of Sauron and of evil. Yeah. And I really like that. Absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's something about, sorry, something about what I just said about uh, he would become another golem. It's just like the the evil would be reborn eventually. If if they killed golem, he would just become the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, I really like that you you mentioned how this was similar to like what happens with a seal door, because um, it just shows the sick the potentially cyclical nature, right? It's like you can bring the ring directly to the fires of Mount Doom a hundred times over, but unless you throw it in there, it doesn't matter, you know. Yep. And uh, and like you said, Josh, like this entire story is a consequence of that very same deed having not been accomplished like hundreds or thousands of years ago, whatever it is. Right. And, uh, and so it's like, even if Frodo did keep the ring for himself, it doesn't even necessarily mean that Sauron would get it. Right. It's like, there's no reason that the entire story of Lord of the Rings couldn't repeat in another thousand years or whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's like, but the thing needs to be done. And, and yeah, um, I don't know. I guess there is, there is like something there about it. There, there is something there about like Frodo's failure in a way. And I, I guess, I guess I do think it's kind of like what we were talking about. I don't know. It's like, cause, cause at first I was like, isn't it weird that like the evil character defeats the evil? I'm like, is it that you need someone <laughs> evil to defeat evil? And it's like, no, is that's it, not what Tolkien's saying at all. It's, no, it's, it's that like, it's compassion that wins, I think. And isn't, is Gollum really evil or I don't know. Just kind of fucked kind up. Of. Just a fucked up little yeah. guy. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, you're both right. That that I, which is of course what Sam comes to realize, and and it's why he doesn't kill him. It's it's because Gollum isn't evil. You know, he's just another. He's a victim of the system, man. Yes, 
he he sees him for exactly that. Um. Okay, I think we're wrapping up this chapter. I want to read think so too. one more thing here. We'll take a quick break. Sure. And we'll get into the last one, but um, I wanted to to read the passage of Sauron's realization uh, that that Josh had mentioned before. Just because I, I think it's it's really great. Um, so this is how it goes. <clears throat> the Dark Lord was suddenly aware of him, and his eye, piercing all shadows, looked across the plain to the door that he had made, and the magnitude of his own folly was revealed to him in a blinding flash, and all the devices of his enemies were at last laid bare. Then his wrath blazed in consuming flame, but his fear arose like a vast black smoke to choke him, for he knew his deadly peril and the threat upon which his doom now hung. Yes. From all his policies and webs of fear and treachery, from all his... Oh, and then I won't go on, because this is what Josh read before. Yes. And so <laughs> that's, that's another thing that made me think a lot about, like, Sauron's power really just being an illusion like we were we were talking about earlier in our discussion too where it's like uh there yeah i just feel like there's like this curtain that's thrown back it is like the wizard of oz you know it's like um so many characters believe that sauron has this power and is like the most powerful being himself and that that's even that's the very thing that like drives denethor to his own madness and and uh, leads him to his fate. And yet, like, we see from how this story plays out, if instead he had the attitude of Sam, he never would have died, you know? Like, he, he would still... They win in the end, you know? And and yet, it's, it's Denethor's insistence that it's impossible is what kills him. You know, if if instead he fought against it, there's no reason why he wouldn't be alive but but he believes in like the lie of Sauron and the illusion of Sauron's power just like so many other people of Middle Earth do and and yet I really love this moment for for it's like the jig is up you know and and even Sauron knows it like I think that's what's most satisfying about it for me it's it's that like in this moment, I feel like Sauron knows he's dead, and he's still gonna send the Nazgul or whatever. Like, hey, just in case, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be like a seal door, and he'll, he'll, he'll walk off, and I'll get the ring in another thousand years or whatever it is. But like, but there, there's just like this perfect moment of, uh, you know, this this character of like ultimate power being. N not just overthrown, but revealed to be very small and powerless, ultimately. And um, I can't really think of any other... Uh, there uh, There are a lot of examples of moments like this in, in storytelling that I like. I can't think of them, but, like, j just that idea of, like, you know, sort of this untouchable character finally being brought down to, you know, their true level or, or finally getting their comeuppance. It's, it's, um, it's very satisfying in a way that like 
Tolkien really wouldn't want you to appreciate. Like this, this isn't a story of like vengeance and feeling self-satisfied at like a, a evil person being destroyed. Like, but it, but it is, it is triumphant. It, it, it is a story of like good triumphing over evil. And I, I really like mm-hmm. the way that Sauron sort of given a moment to realize just how fucked he is before it happens. That's the last thing I want to say about this chapter. All right. Well said. Yeah, well said. Let's uh let's take a tight 5. You got it. We're already an hour 45 in. <laughs> All right, we're live. I'm going to sing the doom song now. Oh yeah. Doom 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 doom. Doom 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 We're two hours into our recording here. Well the 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 cool thing is is that if if I had um like tried to sing it, my guess would have been you know, pretty much that the the exact thing that you did, yeah. That's 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 it. Have we tried to um uh do that for Dune Dudes before? Maybe because there was also the there was the Invader Zim connection the of Muad'Dib, right, Muad'Dib and Dib. Yes. And it was also confirmed that Dib is named after Muad'Dib. Yes. Which no. is like It's a real really? thing. Really? Yeah, it's a real thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to imagine. Which is like, what the fuck? Yeah, I I, I got to imagine there's there's a, a moment on on Dune Dudes where you sing that, but instead of the Doom song, it's the Dune song. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's had to. Yeah, happens. probably, probably. Yeah. No. That. I mean, now that you're saying, it, I'm like, yeah, almost definitely. I feel like that must have. Yeah. Like that must have happened, right? Loyal know. listeners, let us know. I feel like I remember that happening at some point. I've only been on like two episodes. <laughs> so it probably happened during one while I was on. Probably. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, we are, we're talking about chapter four, the field of Cormolan. These days, Connor, these days they would call it the goon song with all that gooning happening. <laughs> I don't fully know what that means. Neither do I. I don't, I don't think you do either. Point. I don't know if we should be. No, but the, it feels like we're calling upon a, a dark magic. The kids these days love it. They love the gooning. They do. Uh, you know what's funny? So I'm a teacher. Um, usually I'm in fifth grade classrooms. And uh, so today. Connor, are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> not all. Not always. Okay, Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> and uh, today, so I was in this class that, I, that I'm in often enough. I'm a substitute teacher, I should say. I'm in this class that I'm in often enough. And um, so there's this kid that I kind of have a rapport with. Uh, a rat you know, as, as you might say. Anyways, he's out of his seat. Isn't that a Pokemon? Yes. He's out <laughs> of his seat, and he's in, like, the, the back of the classroom by, like, the sink sitting in the corner. And I'm like... You need to, I'm like, what are you doing up? I'm like, come on. Like, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to keep telling you to go back to your seat. Go back to your seat. And he goes, Mr. Kelly, let me cook. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I'm like, 
I know what that means, but here's what's funny about this. Because I looked at him and I, I was like, what? I'm like, what'd you just say to me? And this other kid goes, what do they say? They're like, they were like trying to explain it to me like I didn't know, which is like to oh, their perspective. Why, why wouldn't they think that, right? Like I'm just yeah, some old right. fucking fart. Like why you wouldn't are. they think that? It's true. And, and no, you asked, what did you say? And they're explaining what did well, what you yes. say. Well, yes. Yeah. But, but uh, it was more like incredulous rather than like I don't oh, understand like, the meaning of your your. It's like term. you haven't heard this yes, kind, of, yeah. kind of talk? Okay. Yeah. And so – it was so funny right i'm like i here i am like i'm not gonna argue with this kid i'm not gonna be like hey i go on twitter 12 hours a day buddy i know what it means <laughs> like i'm not gonna fucking i'm not gonna just tip my hand yeah you know, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna show uh show show my cards to this kid here like they they should believe that when i go home i just like plug myself into a battery until i i fucking recharge and then go to school like a robot like that's, that's how it should be should with yeah. yes that's how it should be with teachers but only after you grade all their papers yes yeah right it's like that's <laughs> so i'm not gonna be like oh come on like I, I go on the fucking internet like trust me i know what that means kid but it was just so funny to me like w the sincerity with which they were like oh well oh mr kelly well it's a slang term blah blah, blah. i'm just like oh my god i'm like what did i get myself into that's so fucking funny <laughs> you think i don't know i you you think i don't know what it means to let me cook i'm like jesus christ i look that old Hey. Really, I look that old. Well, I mean, <laughs> you should just come, you should just, you should have a you should just have like a, like a catalog of responses for all the the slang terms that kids are going to use. Yeah, just like no kitchen's closed. Go sit down. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great idea, <laughs> Josh. I got to lean into the. Uh, corny dad aspect be like, yeah. Be like, oh yeah let, let him cook uh where's the grill oh i don't see you cooking anything buddy <laughs> and it's i mean at that point you got to resist um saying that you're grill pilled you know <laughs> temptation might be too great yeah right or you could go the, or you could go the other way with it and just lean into it uh, like lean into the 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 slang Pull or whatever so, so so that they're uh Oh, they, that's, they that's cool true. Teacher. That's true too. Yeah, I what 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 could I say? Um, wow, maybe I am old. Uh, <laughs> it's it's too late for me to come up with anything. But <laughs> no, Josh, Josh, let him go. It's too late for me, son. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, honestly, I probably should have just told them uh, I have a podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I, I, should, I should have just been like, you know, I have a podcast. Do you know kid. what that is, kid? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is like radio for millennials. Or, or pull, <laughs> Ever heard or pull, of it? Pull up that uh, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe quote. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't quote the, the old magics to me. I, I was there when they were written or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that's the the day in the life of a, of a substitute teacher. So the fields of Col uh, the field of Cormelon. Yeah, yeah. Josh yeah. is ready to get on with the show. No, we should. We should. I, Obviously, we should. I didn't get enough sleep last night. I need to go to bed earlier tonight. Yeah. So, um, this this chapter uh, picks up 
with the the battle that was happening at the Black Gates uh, with this is, Aragorn and the other kings of uh, Westeros. Yeah, and this is like the first time where one of these books since the Breaking of the Fellowship actually cuts between different perspectives instead of just like following Aragorn or just following Sam and Frodo or Merry and Pippin. Like the last three books have all had like a very set like this book is about Merry and Pippin and the uh, the remainder of the fellowship chasing them through the orcs and Gandalf reappearing and dealing with Saruman. And this book is all about Sam and Frodo making their way, taming Gollum, getting all the way to uh, the edge of Mordor. And the last book was all, this is just Aragorn and Merry and Pippin making their way through the politics of Gondor and the Rohan and uh, a bunch of guys who died about a, th- a thousand years ago mm-hmm. uh, to bring them all together and have this battle. And then this book, I was expecting to, I was expecting this book to be, this is all about Sam and Frodo making the final leg of the journey. And then maybe a chapter two of reconciliation, but no, we got three chapters of Sam and Frodo finishing their journey. And now we have, everything else of what I imagine is the reconciliation and the, uh, uh, I know there's one chapter coming up that was not in the movies. It's weird. It's weird to have the epilogue in the middle of the book. It's an interesting decision. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's what this feels like the epilogue chapter. And I, I, I do have thoughts on the, the, the structuring, uh, the format of the book as well. Like I I mentioned, even in previous episodes that it doesn't feel great. This, this book, and I'm going to, I'm going to hold out, um, until we finish the book to talk more about it. Cause I mean, I could be surprised. I don't know, but it it feels kind of weird. Yeah, I get that. Fair enough. So sorry to interrupt your summary there. I just want to, no, no, no. Honestly, it makes me think, um, you know, what was funny is, like, not only is this, like you're saying, this book, the uh, book six of Return of the King, changing perspectives, but even within this chapter that we're discussing, we get a perspective shift where it starts with, like, Aragorn and, and Gandalf and the other characters. Oh, right. And then it switches back to Sam and Frodo. Right. And then when they get on the eagles to go save them, it cuts back to Frodo and Sam and yeah. their perspective of then being rescued. And so even within this one chapter, we sort of get like this merging of the two storylines. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. Um, and yeah, there, there, there'll be a bit more to say on that. But, but anyways, um, right. So this, this, this picks up with uh, the battle that we left off with at the end of book five of Return of the King, where uh, Pippin is knocked out and, and all that, right? Um and so it's Gandalf who sees the eagles that are coming. He's the one who calls it out. And then, um, and then, like we kind of get that whole deal of um, the forces of Sauron losing the the will to fight because you know it's like the his his destruction is at hand. Gandalf even says so, and we know why that's happening because we just read the previous chapter, right? And so, even while that his whole time, just are, imagine Gandalf just like arms raised on a mountaintop, like just shouting like an old yes. man. Yeah, he's, he's got to be <laughs> not doing anything to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's like jumping up and down like the old prospector. There's gold in them hills. <laughs> we did it. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and and I thought it was kind of an interesting detail that even after like the forces of Sauron disperse, uh, the 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 Southrons, the 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 Herodrim and um, the others, you know, the wicked men stay to fight, yep. and so like. Because the they're not as controlled, yeah. Yes, yes, it doesn't really. They're more them. of what you'd expect if yeah. if Sauron was the, like the soft power. They they were getting the orders from on high and not being directly mind controlled. Apparently, right. It does seem that way, um, and so like that 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 battle continues, but it's pretty much like wrapped up. Like it's like okay, like we won. Like you kind of just got to mop up the uh, the stragglers here, and so mm-hmm. Gandalf. Uh, has a brief conversation with Gwahir, the king of the eagles. Pretty damn sure that's the same eagle from The Hobbit, which that, may have been what Josh was looking up. That's what I've been trying to look up all night, is because I forgot to look it up on Sunday. Is my my note here is are these the same eagles from The Hobbit or Fellowship when uh, uh, Gandalf is recounts when he's rescued from uh, fuck uh, the other tower. Um, Uh, Yes, right. Um, Where where do they... He's called Rahir. Yep. Is he referred to as... Yeah, he's called the Great Eagle. uh, Rahir the Wind Lord. Yeah. But in The Hobbit, they only refer to the Lord of the Eagles and who later became... uh, Lord of all birds or something to that effect. They only refer to him by a title. So we don't, I don't know if Guhir is Lord of the Eagles oh, from I the see. Hobbit. I could my not find guess, a name skimming through. My guess is that he probably is. And I think it's kind of similar to what too. happens in, in the Hobbit too. Remember uh, there when, um, uh, fucking, uh, Thorin, Thorin, when he's oh, captured you. by the the king of the elves, pretty sure the that person is just referred to as like the elf king or the king of the elves or whatever for like they don't get a name. Yep. But we come to find out in Fellowship that that same king is Legolas's father, who yep. then gets a name Thranduil. Which is why I'm so excited to actually get to the the Rankin Bass. Uh, uh, Fellowship is to see if Legolas is that same like weird like forest elf thing that we saw in The Hobbit, right? <laughs> that looked like it was like long legs and like super round. No, no kind of nothing about it says elf to any of our current uh, sensibilities of what an elf should be. Yeah, I'm not expecting that, but we'll. we'll I'm not see, expecting but... that either, but I want to see if there's any kind of consistency in their character designs. But but yeah, more so, I guess I'm just thinking like in in both those cases, I guess Tolkien doesn't really specify, and the, you know, they're, they're, the characters in the Hobbit are sort of referred to as their roles because it's like mm-hmm. they're not really characters under themselves, and and then here when he's writing Lord of the Rings and he gets like deep into the lore. Uh, he's like, okay, well, the king of the elves is Thranduil. And I think similarly, the king of the eagles is Gwahir. I think he just names him here now. And that, yeah, that's probably what's happening. Uh, But I was expecting, I don't even see the the title Lord of the Eagles or Lord of the Birds or whatever. Um, Yeah, true. I think that would have been a more direct connection, but 
it's still possible. It's just a, it's been 50 years. The title could have changed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they went through a change of uh, governance in the Eagle <laughs> community. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, at any rate, um, so the Eagles come to their aid and, um, Gandalf is like, hey, we got a we got a job to do. And so Gwakir, Gandalf, and some other named eagles who are also pretty badass all go together to Mount Doom. They fly there super fast. They have to get there before the Nazgul do, because the Nazgul fled from the battle. And, you know, sure enough, uh, they they make it in time as the mountain is erupting. Um, and they make it there. Tolkien has this brief description of the eruption from the mountain, I think, destroying the Nazgul, which was kind of interesting. We can talk more about that, too. Yeah, I wasn't certain if they got destroyed by the mountain or if they just, like, evaporated when the ring died. Um, I, I'm trying well, to look that up it, right now. You can. It wouldn't have been when the ring died because... Uh, they got... No, because they, they got called. They had the time to get there, because Sauron called them uh, as soon as Frodo put on the ring. Yeah, it's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. Frodo right? and Sam like already outside of the Samoth Nor when the Nazgul show up, which would have been after the ring was destroyed. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's not like immediate, but I, I'm um, trying to find that part because I couldn't. I don't think I remember exactly when they got destroyed. Well, so so anyways, um, the Eagles and Gandalf are able to rescue Frodo and Sam from the from the destruction and you know they're they're pretty much they're passed out completely. They they don't even know what's happening. And mm-hmm. they wake up uh, in in these beds. They're in Athelion. And Sam wakes up and He's like, wow, I must have been dreaming. That's crazy. And Gandalf's like, you know, no, nope, it's all real. And Sam's like, holy shit, Gandalf, you're not dead. Which, uh, you know, we, we kind of we get there reuniting and um, they, they talk about some shit. And then Frodo wakes up and he's like, hey, I've been awake, but then I fell back to sleep. Um, that's like the you know, fucking thing you say every morning at a sleepover with your friends. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> actually, I woke up first, but then I, uh, I fell back to sleep because you were still asleep, but I actually got up first. <laughs> you know, Connor? Uh, I don't know if I've ever witnessed that phenomena. Kind of feels like to this day, like that, like, still sometimes happens. Like you know every I mean? time like, we see each other. <laughs> it's, you know... <laughs> Frodo's like, no, I, actually, I was I was awake first, but you were asleep, so I went back to sleep. That's absolutely okay. what Frodo's doing. Yeah, that was funny. Um, and and so Gandalf's like, hey, you know, you got to meet the king. They're like, who's that? Well, it's fucking no shit, it's Aragorn. Um, so they they uh, have a whole feast, and everyone's reunited. And Legolas and Gimli are there, and Merry and Pippin are there, and they they share about their journeys and um, and all that. And uh, yeah, they they have kind of have like a big celebration and a big commemoration of uh, you know the fucking ring has been destroyed and Sauron is defeated, and like they they finally have time to actually like you know not just be 
thinking that they're going to be like uh, destroyed at any moment. Um, and uh, and yeah, I guess where this chapter wraps up, I think, is pretty much like Aragorn sort of getting ready for his coronation ceremony, but we don't really get that yet. Um, so so this is just a big chapter for like characters reuniting and finally able to sort of uh, actually appreciate the accomplishment of their task and, and the fact that they are, they're all alive and they're back together again. So that's what we got here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was a little weird. They kept chanting like praise be to them or whatever. That felt really weird to me. Yeah. In fact, the, the line was really funny. It was like, Praise, praise them, praise them, praise they them with praise. great praise. Yeah, welcome praise them with great praise. Welcome to the cult of Frodo. Sam and Frodo. And Sam. It's just funny because it feels like they're saying what they should do instead of doing it. It's like praise them with great praise. It's <laughs> yeah. like, well, yeah. okay, so do it. You're like I get that that's what they're enough. doing. But yeah. It'd be like if you did someone like a really great favor and then all they said was like, "Man, I should really thank you." And then, like, they just didn't say... It's like, what the fuck? It's like, okay, yeah. you can just say thanks. I don't know. Yeah, I... Connor, what, what were you going to say? I, I mentioned it's it's it feels like an epilogue. It does very much feel like an epilogue. Um, it's... Yeah, it's 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 very strange. It was, it, you know, also kind of like reading, like... Uh, I couldn't believe my, my eyes in the sense that I'm like, well, what like, what happens after this, you know? So... Um, it was nice. I'm happy that they got saved and uh, were returned, and um, our everyone's reunited. It was, you know, nice getting the gang back together and you know, bantering and all that and catching up on on what they missed. Um, also, Pippin's alive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The guys. The one thing that I think we glossed over. I, I could have been zoning out when when you guys mentioned it or something, but that that Frodo's finger is gone. Oh yes, it is. Yeah. Frodo lost his finger. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy, but that's how, um, that's how Sam recognizes him when he wakes up. Yes. That's Um, how, that's how he knows it's not a dream. Yes. Yeah. I he recognizes Frodo for being Frodo. He recognizes that everything he remembers was not a dream because he saw the, missing yes. finger yeah so i mean i i don't think i have all that much to say about the chapter generally it just kind of i don't know it almost feels like a dream it kind of feels like like if if it was this kind of story if it was a, a different writer and a different story i feel like this like this could be a dream sequence you know like like things are too too neat things are too, too good yeah yeah the yeah. Uh, things are way too neat isn't the scene of the movie like one of the most overly like vignetted scenes it uh, i took Nova's collar off because it's almost time for her to go to bed she's just nosing it making noise um but like the the scene where they're waking up in the bed isn't that like memed all the hell about how corny and ethereal like dreamlike it looks sometimes maybe i mean i'm not that familiar with a lot of the memes and stuff and but, is this um, scene in the middle of the movie <laughs> probably not when we're gonna watch the extended edition just a reminder when we sit down to watch the return of the king it's gonna be a five-hour commitment 
just to watch the movie. So get ready for you, that. You excited for that, Connor? Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs> That'd he be like wait. watching uh, Dune Part 1 and 2 back to back. Damn. But right. it's Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> True. not Dune. Um, speaking of the scene where they're waking up, I thought that was in Rivendell this whole time. When they wake up in the beds and Gandalf is there and all their friends. Well, I thought that was. I don't know. But no, them waking up, it it specifically. Gandalf tells them they are in northern. uh, Fucking. Athelion. Athelion, yeah, which is roughly where they met um, uh, Faramir. Like that area. Right, yeah, they're not even, like, I I thought they would be back at Minas Tirith, but they're not even there. They're nope. just at a, they're just at a camp that's set up, like, for the thousands of troops that they brought. But this is yeah, just, like, it's a near, tent city. I think it's near Ker Andros, which is on the map as a, like, a it's an island in the river. Like, they're near that. Yeah. Um, although I... No, okay. Uh, I think Henneth Noon was where they met Faramir. But I could be I could be wrong. Um but yeah, they're they're in that area. I, I thought they I thought the Eagles took them all the way to Rivendell <laughs> in the movies. We'll have to look out for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean as always things maybe changed around a little bit. Uh we'll just see as we compare and contrast. Um but but it is a little different than my memory of it as well. So, uh, yeah, that, that was interesting to see. Um, I liked, uh, like, just just after, um, like, just after all the, the uh, foes, the enemies start to run away, Gandalf has this line uh, before everything really goes to shit. He says, the realm of Sauron is ended. The ring bearer has fulfilled his quest. And that felt like um, like the real solidification of like, okay, like this, this shit really went down. Because like we were sort of saying at the end of the, the previous chapter, not that it isn't clear necessarily, but I can see how if you're like a first time reader, um, it's just not described... Tolkien kind of describes it more poetically than explicitly. And so uh, here at the beginning of this following chapter, it feels like Gandalf just spells it out. It's like, yeah, it's done, you know? I don't know if you felt that way at all too, Connor. Yeah, no, no, I did get the same vibe. I think think that was an important um, addition to make. um, Something that needed to be (laughs) stated outright. Yeah something small but so when Gandalf's talking to Gwahir and and the eagles he says um, you will not find me a burden much greater than when you bore me from Zirak Zigil where my old life burned away and I was like Zirak Zigil I think that is supposed to be the mountain he landed on when he fought the um Balrog. The Balrog, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. The part that confused me is that I didn't remember in his story that 
the Eagles took him anywhere. I guess I just forgot that. Yeah, I, I don't remember that either. I thought the two times that Gwahir had taken him were away from Orthanc, like I mentioned earlier, and when uh, the Eagles rescued Gandalf and the dwarves and Bilbo from the uh, uh, the the orcs and the or the, sorry the goblins and the wargs on right uh, after traveling through the the Misty Mountains. Right. I mean, unless it was a different eagle that carried him away from possibly, you know, one of those other two places. It doesn't matter. I'm look it up. But it's just like when he said Xerox Zigil, I was like, oh, my God, Tolkien, with the fucking names. I'm like, even now, Xerox Zigil, <laughs> really? I mean, it is a great name. Great fucking fantasy name. But I was like, wow, like, what is that? What are yep. you doing? Um, and then I, I think uh, just a few other things I wanted to mention here. Um, as... As Frodo and Sam, uh, it cuts to them, like, sort of accepting their fate, thinking they're going to die, stranded on Mount Doom as the land, you know, is destroyed around them. Just before they, they are rescued, Sam says, What a tale we have been in, Mr. Frodo, haven't we? I wish I could hear it told. And, uh... You know, that was a moment in The Two Towers we liked a lot where this idea of them, like, imagining themselves in some sort of future story was not only something that gave them hope, but, like, um, I don't know. I guess I, I really like the meta aspect of them being characters in a story, commenting on that. And, like, even more than that, like, the Lord of the Rings text itself is, like, a framing device where where the story itself exists in the story as the red book of Westmarch. And so like there's these layers of the characters commenting that within the text thinking about that from some prior moment and yet when when you're reading it as the reader it's like you're kind of meant to consider that you have the story in your hands, you know. And you're, you're reading what became of that, like, from some far-off point in the, the future that you're in from, from these characters. And, uh, and so I, I guess I just like the way that Tolkien considers them to be characters and, and the way that they sort of, like, comment on that. Uh, to me, it almost feels like a Toy Story kind of thing where like the the whole fucking thing of toy story is like they're toys <laughs> and they know it you know that's the plot that's what happens and like here it's like it feels like they're characters and they know it they know their characters in a story you know yeah yeah no that that is a cool aspect of it and it's like um you know they they grew up in in a world that's like that heavily mythologizes you know its ancestors and history and the past and uh so so yeah there there is a self-awareness that you know we we will be in that story one day and it, and it did come to fruition that's um 
so so yeah it does it does get kind of meta in a fun yeah. way where it's uh you know you're you're in a story you're in the story you're talking about becoming part of the story you know and and then uh and then yeah it's put into a book it is and then even like a little later in the chapter when they're doing the celebration like they have that uh minstrel or whatever he is like he sings the story he yes. literally <laughs> sings like the fucking uh, frodo the nine fingered whatever the fuck you yeah know? he sings sam, the lord of the rings sam just breaks into laughter and it's you know yes. it's, that's a really cool L- moment he, he just sings the lord of the rings little do we know we've been reading a hymn book this entire time yes yeah pretty much right <laughs> especially with all the music or all the songs that he writes in here yeah yeah, for real. So I, I, I like that moment. And yeah, it, it is it is nice to see like Sam's uh he's just overcome with joy, you know. He 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 gets to live to see himself and Frodo like become those characters and he just never thought that he would uh he would he he never considered himself like that he'd be lucky enough to to see that happen. So that, that was a sweet moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I did I did look it up. Um, apparently the Lord of Eagles is a separate character from uh-huh. Guhir, although there is speculation that, um, or I'm sorry, rather Guhir is explicitly not stated to be the Lord of Eagles. Uh, wait, no. How do I phrase this? <laughs> the Lord of the Eagles and Guhir are not the same. There is speculation that he could have been one of the 15 chieftains of the Lord of the Eagles. Guhir being one of the chieftains, uh, meaning one of the other like birds we saw in uh, the Hobbit. Um, there's also, it's also possible that the Lord of Eagles refers to uh, Thorondor, who is like the original Eagle, great Eagle, apparently mm-hmm. and a, an ancestor of Guhir. So, yeah, I see. That's interesting because they name drop him in this chapter. So, yeah, that so there's a there's a chance that Thorondor is the Lord of the Eagles, but ex- just through the explicit text, um, the Lord of the Eagles is a separate character from Guhir and anyone who rescues them at the end of the the Return of the King. You know, just but going off of that, like it would be really fitting if Thorondor was the Lord of the Eagles and Gwahir being like his son or his descendant or, you know, whatever it is, because like Mm -hmm. that is exactly the the distinction of so many characters in the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, coming off of the Hobbit where Legolas is Thranduil's son and Gimli is Gloin's son and Frodo is Bilbo's son, and so it, it would be yeah. really fitting for uh, for and get off the white is getting off the gray son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it it would be very fitting in that in that way um, for Gwahir to to kind of fulfill that same role as his uh, father in the Hobbit. So I, I like that idea. That's cool. Yeah. What uh? Um, what else? What else in this chapter would we like to mention? I have two more notes that we haven't tra- covered yet. Um, when they get out to the field and they see the king, and Sam realizes that it's Strider. Uh, yes, Sam Strider says Aragorn. It is a long way, is it not, from Bree, where you did not, uh, where you did not like the look of me. A long way for us all, but yours has been the darkest road. 
mm-hmm. says the guy who literally walked the path of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes. Indeed. They made this whole big deal at the beginning of the book. Is we're going to take the path of the dead. And yeah, and he's the one saying that Sam and Frodo had the darkest path, which on one hand is it, trying to, it, it, it kind of illustrates just how perilous uh, Mordor was for Sam and Frodo. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it kind of downplays the whole uh, like taboo that was going around of, oh my god, they're taking the, they took the path of the dead, we're never going to see them again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and we even talked about how like when we were reading about that, it never felt as perilous as the characters think it is so right exactly so that it's like two conflicting messages yeah it is it is i could have been handled a little bit better um and, and my last note is really quick uh apparently gimli saved pippin on the battlefield uh we never really saw that apparently he like saw pippin's hobbit foot sticking out from under a troll yes that was fine but unfortunately it looks like uh baragund is really is dead we never, we never hear from him again. We have not heard of him since the battle. He does. He does seem to be Baragon, unfortunately. Yep. Nice. <clears throat> um, okay, I just have two more notes as well here. So one is that when um, Frodo and Sam are getting dressed for the ceremony, like they're they're given new clothes and stuff, Gandalf. Uh, says that they should wear swords and Frodo initially rejects that and I, I guess I liked the idea of like after the, the battles won and stuff like I, it felt like sort of doctory to me you know it's like they don't want to have this symbol of uh, you know war or violence or whatever it is like Frodo doesn't want to wear a sword yeah, no, I think that's that's he also said a great it, moment. And then Gandalf is like, get over yourself, put it on. Yeah, no, he's like, you're still gonna yeah, do it though, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he did he did say that at in the last chapter, uh I, I'll never use another or I'll never carry another weapon. Hmm. And then Gandalf like yeah, like he says, like, I'll get over yourself, it's it's fancy. Do it for the fancy. Yeah, yeah. It's right, it's it's the ceremony. It's right? tradition. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It's, I, I guess I, it, it just seemed kind of weird to me because, like, I like that Frodo, his, his like, response is to reject it, right? Like, he doesn't want it. And I'm like, that's cool for Frodo. Like, that's a cool character moment. Mm-hmm. So it did seem weird to me that Gandalf was just like, nah, but you're going to do it, right? Like, why couldn't <laughs> he have just not worn a sword? Like, Sam could still wear a sword. Why, You know, Sam could have Sting or whatever. And Tradition Frodo could just deep. not have a sword. It does. Decorum is like a very, po- you know, very important thing in their society. You know, remember the the that that big meeting in, uh, you know, whatever place they were in with the the, the uh, Elrond or whatever with Elrond. Yeah. Yes. Of course. The Council of Elrond. We can't talk about what's important until we talk about all this nebulous shit for for five <laughs> hours. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Gee, uh, geez, sounds like uh, that was like the first podcast or something, am I right? Yeah, right, I know. The Council of Elrond, more like the podcast of Elrond. Got him. Okay, and then my last note, it's on Gandalf, and I I just have to say I'm surprised. I was a little surprised it didn't come up. I have to say this. Okay, so 
Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of this chapter, you know, the the Mary, Pippin, uh, Frodo, and Sam, they're they're like, oh wow, you know, they can tell just by looking at one another how much the others have been through, and comically, Mary and Pippin have grown. Uh, from, oh yeah, yes, yes, from yes. drinking the uh, the end wash or whatever that was hilarious that was hilarious i'm like wow i didn't i thought you were too old to you know go through a growth spurt like that (laughs) yeah how are you still growing yeah Yeah. so like that was that was funny because obviously you know with characters as small as hobbits like that's got to be a big deal right um and then so they're they're saying like oh there's so much more to talk about and they're like yeah you know we'll talk about it in like the coming weeks and weeks and weeks like there's that much to talk about Pippin has this line. He says, um, um, in the meantime, you can try Gandalf. He's not so close as he used to be, though he laughs now more than he talks. So, two things. One, Pippin is the one who's like, hey, go talk to Gandalf. Like, he's actually pretty chill now. And he laughs now more than he talks. I don't know. I just feel like Gandalf has been like carrying like the stress and the burdens of like all the people of Middle Earth. He he's called himself like the steward, right? He he sort of sees himself as the steward of the people, and um, and like Gandalf is sort of finally able to unwind here too. Um, so one, I I like that uh, Pippin is, um, like I I think it really demonstrates the changing nature of. Gandalf and Pippin's relationship to have Pippin be the one to say like, "Hey, go talk to Gandalf. Like, he's pretty fucking cool these days." And then just continuing off of that, on uh, on the very next page, they do end up talking to Gandalf, and Gandalf says this, "But you too, Pippin. I love you." If only because of the pains you have cost me, which I shall never forget. And then he continues. That blew blew my fucking mind. That Gandalf said the words I love you. It's like, I don't know. I I, I that, read that as Gandalf says I love you to Pippin. I read that more of like the like I love you man, but kind of phrasing. Yeah, for the pains that you've caused me. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I mean it's it's very much like, delivered less, in like a backhand game. It's like one way. last jab yeah. he can get in. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's like bless your heart. Yes. But I mean Gandalf has never, ever, 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 ever said that at all to anyone ever. And he says it to Pippin. I think that is huge, and I think it it, it is a good example of um the, his change in character with this this burden off of his shoulders, yeah. I know. I think. Yeah. I think that does say a lot. See, I just I don't know. I liked that. I, I and I liked that. You know, specifically, it's Gandalf and Pippin's relationship that that changes. You know, it's like and and it's funny because when we were reading Fellowship, it's like we talked a lot about it. Gandalf is a huge fucking asshole, like literally a huge fucking asshole. And especially, I've had enough of you people. I've wasted enough time with you people already. Especially to Pippin, like 
the way he treats Pippin is very representative of like Gandalf being this shitty, crusty, you know, fuck ass curmudgeon. And like Gandalf sort of goes through this character arc of like being, uh, you know, coming to realize, I think, that it's important to be to express your love. Like, it's not just enough to love someone, right? I think Gandalf always loved Pippin, but he treated him like a piece of shit. And so I think it's more about, like, how, like, there, there's an importance to expressing the love of those you love. It's not just enough to love them. There's something significant and important about telling those you love that you love them. And I liked this moment for that. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. That's something that I, you know, live my life trying to do, but, um, but, you know, especially after, uh, like, a a moment or, a, you know, big near world ending events with all this, you know, tragedy, it does kind of put that into perspective. And so, yeah, it's, it's nice to think that that kind of made, made Gandalf uh, reevaluate some of those relationships and how he um, approaches them. I think so. And those, those were all my notes on this chapter and what I wanted to say about it. Am I missing anything or is there anything else either of you would like to add? Josh, Connor, no? I, no, I think we, we've been talking for a while. <laughs> we have been. There's been a lot to talk about, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, uh, I. Th- that's that's it for me. I mean, I, I just, um, I, I, obviously, I've never seen the movie, and I don't really know what's next. Like, I can't, uh, you know, imagine having so much book left. Um, so it, I, I'm, I'm scared it's gonna just be, like, you know, <laughs> lineage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember, a lot of what's at the back of this book is like the appendix and That's stuff. True. So That's true. It's not as much as it seems, but yeah, I also don't really know what we're in store for. We will see. Um, I guess I, I just want to uh, take a leaf out of old Gandalf's book as we come to this important uh you know, not not quite the end of our journey, but like something that really signifies, uh, a, a, you know, the the closing of a very important portion of it. And you know, just just to say that I really appreciate that we've been able to do this together. And you know what? I love you guys. Hey, I love you guys too. Uh, you know, I, uh, it was it was nice. You know that Gandalf inspired you to you know to to uh, you know acknowledge that and appreciate what we what we got going on it's been it's it's been a journey you know i haven't i have not loved all of lord of the rings but i have enjoyed every second of the journey and i've i've kind of realized or i've been thinking recently you know i i uh, talked a lot about how uh, or a little bit about how um this book you know could be like an allegory for depression and or you know whatever you're dealing with you know and right. uh and, and and I've been thinking a lot about how this past year, like I've really come to um, like, you know, chatting with you guys every week and like having this as an outlet and, uh, you know, to, uh, j- just to come and talk about a book if I don't even care about it or just 
chat shit. It's been it's been uh, really great, and I look forward to it every week. And so, uh, you know, I I the feeling is mutual. I love you guys too. Long live the chumps. <laughs> or or no, yeah. praise the chumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pray. What was it? Praise. Pra- pra- I don't know. It was like praise. Praise them. Praise them with great praise. Yeah, 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 praise them with great praise. What the fuck is that? Uh, Whatever. <laughs> love them with great love, you know? Yes, exactly. I've already wasted enough time with you people. <laughs> <laughs> All the right. most Gandalf response of all. Yeah, there's always one. Uh, yeah, so... Nah, I mean, this has been great. I love you guys too. Oh, we love you too, man. We still have we still have like six chapters to read. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. We should maybe we just cut it off here and we just don't even <laughs> We did it! We did it! Let's watch the movie! Why ruin it? Yay! <sighs> Alright, well I guess that's it then, huh? Yeah, no, we uh this this was a good talk. Yeah, obviously a, a very, very big discussion. Um It's been a lot of fun. Connor, yeah, take yeah. us away. If you uh, like what you heard and want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash chapter chumps and uh, give us some money to keep on doing podcasts and stuff. Um, if you want, you can also follow us on social media. We are at chapter chumps on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can shoot us uh, an email at chapterchumpspod at gmail.com. If you take offense to anything that we uh, say or do. Or if, if you're offended by the way we look, if you you know have come across pictures of us, that's fine too. We want to hear it. Um, and please, you know, if if you have uh, the app on your phone called Podcasts, it's called Podcasts. It's uh, it takes you right to Apple Podcasts. You can go to our page, Chapter Chumps, and give us a nice five star rating and leave a nice glowing review. That would be much appreciated. Um, and that's the least you could do, really. That's, I mean, that's the bare, the bare minimum. So we've given you hours of entertainment. We really you know, have. It's like, in just this podcast, literally. Yeah, yeah. My dog has gone back and forth multiple times, waiting for me to go to bed. You yeah, can see her at my webcam right now. She's waiting. Do it. For I told her it's bedtime, and she's looking at me like. Yeah, I'm not saying that this folks. is like a. This is not like a transactional relationship, but it just feels like you know. <laughs> There's one side pulling on. all the weight. Yeah, it's it's just like come on, you know. It's like it's it's some pretty heavy emotional labor if I say so myself. Uh, but most importantly, folks, until next time. I gotta sing, I gotta sing the doom song now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs>